Blog Talk Radio. Good morning to all friends of animals and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt and I thank you for waking up at the crack of dawn and tuning in. I've got a pretty amazing lineup of guests this morning. First up, Lisa Marie Mulkern from HandicappedPets.com has some extremely moving stories about companion animals that were dealt some very difficult cards and were able to overcome tremendous challenges thanks to some truly caring people. Then, after our halftime break, Marianne Dell will be stopping by with a bundle of books that she's just reviewed, and you're absolutely going to love the one she's picked out for you this month. This and more are just on the other side of a very quick break, so keep your radio tuned to KJAZ 88.1 FM, and we'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm joined by Lisa Marie Mulkern from HandicappedPets.com. Good morning, Lisa Marie. Good morning, Marie, and thank you for having me on your show. Well, I am real excited to have all of you back from HandicappedPets.com. You've been on the show before, and I'm always so impressed with the products that you make available for handicapped pets and their caretakers. Well, thank you. Yes, and we look forward to um, sharing some new products and uh, things that are going on here at handicappedpets.com. The thing that really got my attention and why I wanted to get you back on the show was I read a press release about a book called Miracle Dogs, Adventures on Wheels, and it's a collection of stories that are heartwarming and heartbreaking about dogs and a goat, and I think you have a story about a pig, too. (laughs) Yes, we do. Um, Miracle Dogs Adventures on Wheels is a new book written by Sandy Johnson, and it details the stories of a total of 13, well, 12 dogs um, and one goat who are users of the Walkin' Wheels dog wheelchair that is available from HandicapPets.com. And the book uh, basically came from, we have so many incredible stories from our customers over the years, and they are always wanting to share their stories and photos with us. And the inventor of the Walkin' Wheels dog wheelchair, Mark Robinson, who's also the president and founder of HandicapPets.com, his mother is Sandy Johnson, who is an award-winning author and um, has written several other books, um, had a conversation with his mother one day about, you know, would you be interested in writing the stories of um, these dogs? You know, they're, they're miraculous, inspirational, and um, 
now we're hoping that this is going to become the first in a series of books because we still have so many other stories oh, of Miracle Dogs on Wheels that we want to share. That is so, so cool. These I first bet. 13 are just the start. I, I'm sure they are. How many people write into you on average every year to tell you their stories? Oh, we, we get stories on a daily basis. Wow. Um, we have thousands of testimonials on our website of owners whose dogs have been given a second chance thanks to Walking Wheels Dog Wheelchairs and other products that are available from HandicapPets.com. So this really... Um, just a you know a, a small slice of the number of stories that we have to share, and why we want to make the book into a series going forward. That is really neat. You know, for for the longest time, if you had a pet who could no longer walk, that was pretty much a death sentence. And most veterinarians would say the quality of life isn't going to be there. The best thing that you can do as this pet's caretaker is to let it go and have it euthanized. Exactly. And with walk-in wheels and other mobility products that are available now from HandicapPets.com, euthanasia is no longer the only option for a dog or other pet that can no longer walk on its own. Let's hear some um, of the stories. I, I heard about a dog named Omid who lived, who lived on the streets of Iran and was found lying injured on the side of the road. Can you tell me what happened with Omid? Uh, yes, actually, Omid is our cover dog for Miracle Dogs Adventures on Wheels. And Good morning, fellow animal people, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to start your morning off with our program. Last week, you might remember that while we were doing book reviews with Marianne Dell, we talked about an interesting book by Denise Fleck that covers everything from breed-specific legislation to why black dogs in shelters have trouble getting adopted. Rather than getting into the details, we decided we'd just get Denise on the show. So guess what? We got her, and she'll be here shortly. Also this morning, Dr. Kelly Heckman, the co-founder of Fix It, will be dropping by to talk about the success of her remarkable spay and neuter program that is celebrating its third anniversary. So don't touch that dial, because a fabulous show is coming right up after a very quick message from KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett, and joining me now is Denise Fleck from Sunny Dog, Inc., and also the author of Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. Good morning, Denise. How are you today? It is bow wow wonderful to be here sharing things about the animals. <laughs> a penster <laughs> like me. <laughs> Hey, I have to ask you, were your ears burning last weekend around this time? 
They were burning, but I was clueless. Marianne <laughs> Dillon and I were talking about you. <laughs> oh, how funny is that? I adore her and her little jitterbug. <laughs> uh, well, we talked about your book a little bit, but I didn't want to give away too much because I thought, you know what? we got to get her on the show and we got to talk about it. So before, we, I know this is First Aid Month for Animals, First Aid Awareness Month, but I want to talk about your book first. So tell me a little bit about Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover. Well, it's really an important book to me for several reasons, and I'm honored that the Dog Writers Association of America um, honored it with their children's book of the year. Oh, cool. But it talks about not judging animals or or people or anything by what they look like. Specifically, the story is about not judging dark-coated breeds, because I know some people say it's a fallacy about black dog syndrome, but I volunteered at shelters, and I see darker-coated pets getting passed over. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, and sometimes there's there's stereotypes. Sometimes they just don't physically show up. Our eye goes to brighter colors sometimes. Absolutely. And you know what? It's true with cats also. And I think it's the stigma of the unlucky black cat because there are some beautiful black kitties at shelters where I volunteer, and they're there for weeks, months. There was one that was living at the Irvine shelter for over a year before it got adopted. And and it's, it's terrible because as nice as a shelter might be, it's no place for an animal. They need to be in a loving home. Absolutely. They need to find that soulmate human. And and black-coated pets can be absolutely stunning in the right lighting. But, yes, there's that stigma about unluckiness. And, you know, in some countries, I believe Germany, excuse me, Japan and England in particular, black is considered lucky. So it's something we've done over here. And then, you know, going back to TV and movies, you know, the good guy wears the white hat, the not-so-good guy wears the black hat, you know, all of that translates. And then when they put an animal in the movie that's supposed to be aggressive, he's generally darker in color. So I guess all of that plays in, but black-coated pets are wonderful. And the other things that really the book plays up on are that senior pets are amazing. Oh, that is so true. I couldn't recommend more that somebody should adopt a senior pet because they're past those crazy puppy chewing stages and kitten climbing up your leg stages and biting your nose at two in the morning and all that stuff. And Yeah, they just want to adore you. Oh, and that's exactly. why this book is so special because I used some artistic license. It isn't exactly his story, but it's based on a senior black lab I had named Mr. Rico. So it ah. just and it was he was the gentlest soul I ever met. He could lick, you know, a smile onto anybody's face. And I adopted him when he was nine and a half years old, and he made it to the ripe old age of 15 and a half, and I felt like I had him my whole life because we just bonded, and he was just such an amazing creature and taught me so much about love and loyalty. Oh, that is so cool. And I know a lot of shelters actually have special programs where they reduce the rates for adoption for senior pets or eliminate them entirely. And some even have programs that are senior pets for senior humans where they'll completely waive adoption fees and and match up seniors for seniors. 
Well, and it makes total sense, but I'll tell you, I'm not quite a senior myself yet, but I certainly <laughs> enjoy a senior because, you know, those puppies and kittens, as adorable as they are, they, they mess with your sleep and they keep you busy and they yeah. chew on everything, yeah. and it's nice to have a pet that already knows the routine. Absolutely. So <laughs> it's Don't Judge a Book by Its Cover, and where can you get it? You can get it at my website or on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, just about any place in town. You have a website. What is that? It is sunnydoginc.com, S-U-N-N-Y-D-O-G-I-N-K.com. Okay, so not I-N-C, it's I-N-K. And it's a play on words since I do a lot of writing. Oh, okay, okay, I get it now. That went right over my head for a second. <laughs> No worries. Let's talk about April being pet safety, pet first aid month. Yes, I mean, you know, every day when we have animals in our life, we should be conscious of these things. But April's the time where we bring it to the forefront of our brains to have pet first aid, safety, and awareness. Um, when we have a dog or a cat, basically we have a toddler for life, and we, you know, are responsible for keeping them safe. That is so true. You know, I know a lot of people think, well, you know, dogs should go run stray because they're, they're animals and the wolves do and the coyotes. But, you know, that was before we created the, the motor vehicle and the superhighway <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> all yeah. these insecticides and poisons and mm-hmm. things that we're putting in their faces. So I, you know, honestly believe it is our responsibility, our obligation and duty to do all we can to keep them safe. And my first thing I'd like to put out there, and everybody's going to have a goofy image of themselves if they do this, but I think everybody should get down on all fours and crawl around your house and yard like your dog or cat to see life from their perspective. Oh, so you can see the dangers that are there if you do that. Exactly, because, you know, everything may look neat and clean at five foot six or six foot two wherever you stand, mm-hmm. but it's a whole different world down there at six to 22 inches off the floor. And coupled with that, they have an amazing sense of smell. So even if it's tucked on a shelf or behind a cabinet, if it smells good enough, they're going to try to get to it. So mm-hmm. you need to understand what's there, what inherent dangers exi- exist in different environments and at different times of the year. I mean, we were just talking about how it's getting warm in Southern California, so mm-hmm. things are starting to arise for us that may not be so in other parts of the country. They'll come later, but we've already got the insects and the snakes out, you know, and, That's you know, it's true. getting warm some days. Let so me we ask need to take care. This. Let's say you saw a dog in a hot car and it was clearly suffering from heat stroke. And with permission of the police or whatever, you're able to get that dog out. What is the first thing you should do to help that dog? Get him into a cooler environment. If it's in a parking lot, at least get him to the concrete under the overhang at the front of the store that's been in the shade. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at least that, you know, if you can't get him into air conditioning or inside. But then water, and I recommend from the paws up starting to cool them off. Because dogs and cats don't have sweat glands all over their bodies like we do. They have an evaporative cooling system going on called panting, you know, where they're trying to take the cooler air in over their tongue and into their lungs. Mm -hmm. But other than that, most of the heat they release is through the pads of their feet. So if you start getting their feet, their belly skin, their pits and their groin wet, you're going to cool them off more quickly. A lot of people would just take like a hose to their back, but depending on the breed, you know, if he has an undercoat, a lot of that water's going to initially skim off and he's not going to get really wet. Okay. 
So from the paws up, but never, you know, immerse him in water up to his neck. You would cool him too quickly, just up to the belly skin. Okay. And another good thing, if you happen to have rubbing alcohol, not Jack Daniels, rubbing <laughs> alcohol. <laughs> um, okay. Just, you know, on a soft cloth, wipe the inner pads of the ears, the, the pads of the, the, excuse me, the inner flaps of the ears, the pads of the feet, and the belly skin, just, you know, in a few spot areas. Okay. That can very effectively start cooling as well. Oh, interesting. Okay. And if you notice that your own pet is just generally uncomfortable in the heat in your own home, what kind of steps can you take to make sure that your pet in your home stays cool and safe? Well, you have to make sure there's good ventilation. I know a lot of people, you know, have carriers and dog houses and kennels, but you've got to make sure there's a good airflow. If they're in the house and you live in a hot part of the country and you're gone all day, you just may need to run that air all day if you have a dog or a cat because okay. their body temperatures are, are similar. They're, they actually run a little bit higher, though. On average, they're 101 degrees. Okay, so keep Fahrenheit. the air conditioning going even though you're not home. Right. You may, if they're outside, you may have to make sure there's shade or have a mister system. And two important things about shade and water outside, even if you have a dog safely in a fenced yard, notice where the sun is at different times of the day and different times of the year because it moves. And it may be beating down on that water bowl when he needs it most. Or the shade may be cast on the other side of the fence in the neighbor's yard, you know, and he won't have any. So you really have to look at your house in all different seasons to make sure your dog always has plenty of shade and water. And with water bowls, I really recommend, you know, a, a smaller bowl that is hooked up to a spigot constantly refilling mm-hmm. is better than a huge bowl. Because some people think, well, hey, I'll just get this great big bowl or a wading pool. But then it becomes a bird bath. And then you have, you know, bird feces in your dog's water and, you know, that brings about all... Or if it sits long enough, it could start breeding mosquitoes, too, which is another bad thing. Okay. And I know that you actually teach classes, and I'm wondering, because we only have about a minute or so left, can you talk a little bit about how people can take your CPR and first aid classes? Well, I would love to have people take, because I've had so many success stories over the years, people can really jump to the task. I don't train you to be a veterinarian. They're the experts. But we're the ones with our pets every day and when something happens. So if we do something before we get to the vet, we can really make a difference. My class schedule is listed on my website on the schedule page, and I teach all over Southern California, and I go out of state when requested. I'm going to be a lucky speaker at Pet Senators International Convention in Indianapolis this September, teaching the class there. And I just am so honored that so many people have either helped alleviate choking or induced vomiting for poisoning, or I've had students actually administer rescue breathing and CPCR to save an animal's life. And, yes, there's, we've now snuck a second C in there because we're doing some new protocol to really make sure we're getting life-giving blood and oxygen to the brain, the cerebral part of the body as well. But we'll probably always call it CPR. And <laughs> what is the website where people can find out more? It is Sunny Dog, Inc., S-U-N-N-Y, D-O-G, 
I-N-K.com. And that has my classes, pet first aid tips, Excellent. my books, my pet first aid kits, and the whole bit. Fabulous. And that was the same website we talked about before. Hopefully you wrote it down. We have to take a very quick break now. But when we return, Dr. Kelly Hackman, the co-founder of Sixit, will be stopping by to talk about the amazing accomplishments her organization has made in just three years. Very cool story. And it's coming right up on KJAZ 88.1 FM. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show, and we're celebrating the third anniversary of a remarkable organization called Fix It with one of its founders, Dr. Kelly Heckman. Good morning, Kelly, and welcome to the Pet Place. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy you're here. I love your organization. I've been following it for a while now, and I want you to tell our listeners exactly what Fix It is all about. Absolutely. Well, um, Basically, 11,000 cats and dogs are put down in U.S. shelters every day just because there aren't enough homes for them. And that's a staggering that's, number. Yeah, it's tragic. And so um, euthanizing all these animals is one way of treating the symptom of overpopulation but not really providing any solution. And so we wanted to focus on a solution-based strategy that would reduce the amount of unwanted and accidental breeding that leads to all these homeless animals. And so in 2009, Fix-It was formed. I co-founded it with my partner, Stephanie Downs, and we wanted to identify the reasons that people were not spaying and neutering their animals and then uh, implementing programs that could provide solutions to change people people's behavior and to get, get them to take action. What kind of programs have you started? Um, well, we started the organization really with one project in mind, and that was um, on the island of St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands where we tested what would motivate our most challenging pet owners to spay and neuter their animals. And we used the research-based approach so that we knew exactly what we were doing right and what we were not doing so right in order to um, provide a model that we could share with other spay and neuter organizations for them in their communities to get their challenging pet owners to take action. Can you explain what a challenging pet owner really is? What's the definition? Sure. Um, Well, I mean, there is no one definition, but in any community we have um, 80% of the community is creating 20% or 80% of the problem is creating 20% of created by 20% of people. And so those 20% of the people that are creating all the problem are the ones that allow their animals to spay and neuter or allow their animals to continue to accidentally breed. And so, you know, there's been studies that kind of generalize those people into kind of demographic categories. Normally they'll be lower income people. Um, They might be younger people. But generally, you know, for any community, you need to really pinpoint, you know, who is the problem um, through looking at shelter statistics and animal control efforts and things like that to to narrow it down. Okay. So it seems like if the problem is the low income and not having the extra money in the budget to pay for Mm -hmm. something like this, how are you addressing that? Well, um, so that gets us exactly to where we are with today's um, discussion point, which is get your fix, 
and its third anniversary. So, um, you know, when we set up to create the solutions to those problems, one of the main reasons that people cite when they, you know, explain why they haven't spayed and neutered their animals is that it is too expensive. And even though, you know, through the country's efforts to increase the number of low-cost uh, low spay-neuter clinics, um, people still think that even at low-income, uh, low-cost, it's still ex- too expensive. And so when Fix-It was first formed in 2009, we started, you know, propagating that we think that spay and neuter should be free, and that obviously got a lot of people contacting us and saying, you know, hey, I, I need help, and free is about where my price range is. <laughs> and so we wanted to accommodate that, but as a new organization, we certainly didn't have that capacity financially. And that's where we came up with the idea of GetYourFix.org. It's basically a spay-neuter community in which um, people that cannot afford to pay for the spay-neuter surgery can meet with people who are interested in solving the problem of homelessness. It's like a dating service for getting your pet fixed. That's exactly (laughs) right. We call it the Match.com for spay-neuter. So. Because, yeah, animal, we allow pet owners to register, and then they create a profile of their animal that needs the specific, you know, the specific help and put a picture and, you know, you know, write up their story, why their animal needs help, why they need specifically financial help, and, you know, try to sell themselves in a way very similar to a dating site. That is so cool, and it's so inventive. How did you come up with that idea? Well, um, Fix It really, we just, again, it's all about solutions. Like, okay, we don't have the money, but other people do, and other people, um, you know, how can we pull at the heartstrings of people that want to help and get it out to the community? And, you know, obviously online is where it's at, and so this has provided um, a national service, whereas, you know, we're we're, um, incorporated in only Virginia, but this, you know, gets help to anyone anywhere in the country. Oh, that's fabulous. And how do you get the word out for people who are willing to fund spay and neuters to come to the site and donate? Well, um, we have a lot of social media. Um, we have a lot of resources on the site that kind of draw people um, just generally, like articles that, you know, might be of interest to people. But really, it's it's all about word of mouth. Um, I think you know we are a very unique situation where when people you know you get invitations to sponsor animals in various ways, and very rarely do those sponsorships actually re, you know relate to one person, one animal, and you know and you you can actually talk to that person if you wanted to, and you know form a relationship. You know we provide a very unique, um, transparent donation process. So um, it's really, you know, once you have done it, you know, we get people that just continue to do it, you know, all the time because it's very addictive to know the animal that you've actually helped. That's very cool. And it's getyourfix.org. That's right. Awesome. Now, how do we ensure that, let's say I'm somebody who wants to donate, and I go ahead and I go through the process how do I know that the money I'm donating is going to an actual pet and not somebody who's inventing a pet and a profile and using right. the money inappropriately? Well, there's two ways that you can sponsor an animal. Um, one is to communicate directly with the owner of that animal 
or you can make a donation directly to fix it, and then we communicate with the owner to get the appointment set. And then, but for both, we actually call the clinic directly and give the money to the clinic, um, oh, so that okay. there's no possibility that you know any other purpose other than you know maybe another veterinary service, but. Yeah, money goes directly to the clinics. Oh, that's wonderful. Okay, that's good to know. I always like to make sure mm-hmm. for our listeners' sake that we're promoting something that is absolutely legitimate and it sounds like you've tied up all the loose ends. Yeah, we. I mean, we. if you go through um, the process of communicating with the owner directly, you go through the Get Your Fix system, which keeps your information completely anonymous. So you're only identified by your username. And that way, you know, we don't have people that, you know, maybe other people would want to start, hey, I've got this other expense, and, you know, trying to, you know, give them, you know, take their generosity advantage. advantage, Okay, that's good. Now, I know that you've been focusing on providing surgeries for pit bulls because this is a group of dogs that is most at risk of ending up in a shelter. Can you talk a little bit about what's going on there and and the statistics with pit bulls? Yeah, so when, you know, as Get Your Fix has evolved, you know, we we initially thought that we would put it out there and people would just communicate back and forth. But as it's evolved over the last three years, we've kind of realized that it was our responsibility to make this a situation that was helping high-risk animals. And pit bulls pretty much define high-risk because, um, Number one, they're very popular. So they're out there, top 10 desired breed in 46 states, top three in 28 states. Wow. So they're, you know, people really like pit bulls, and they are really great dogs and companions. But um, what that means is if they're in a lot of homes, there are a lot of homes that are going to accidentally be breeding them mm-hmm. or purposefully or be breeding purposely, them. Yes. And mm-hmm. then that creates, you know, a lot of extra animals that then end up flooding into the the shelter system. And then secondarily, they're also very hard to identify visually. So the term pit bull is, you know, more like a group of dog breeds. The the actual breeds themselves, you know, vary depending on who you ask of, you know, identifying a pit bull. But it's very challenging to identify these breeds because the, the physical characteristics that people would normally use are shared by, you know, a variety of different breeds. Okay. So in one study, 25% of animal uh, adopting agency workers were able to successfully identify a true pit bull defined by a genetic study. Oh, so it's very challenging to, to find, um, correctly identify them, and that means that we have a lot of animals in shelters that are of a physical appearance of what we're calling a pit bull okay. because it, it's so expansive. And um, we're approximating that about a million of these pit bulls end up in shelters every year. But because of this whole IDing problem, you know, this is animals that are identified as pit bulls, but, you know, we don't really specifically know. All we know is that we have a lot of them and that they're uh, really hard to find adopters because there's just so many of them. Wow, that's unfortunate. Yes. Hey, before I let you go, 
And yes. I know we've said it a few times now. I just want to make sure everybody knows how to get to your website so that if they want to help fund a spay or neuter, they can do that. Sure. Um, well, so FixIt's general page is fixit-foundation.org, and you can go and sign up for our newsletter there to get all of our, our latest updates. But for Get Your Fix, it's just getyourfix.org and register as a sponsor. And then you can search um, through our 300 new animals that we get that need help every month okay. uh, on the site. So. Fabulous. Dr. Heckman, you're doing amazing work, and I wish you many, many, many more wonderful anniversaries in the okay. future. Thanks for Thank being on the so show. Thank you so much. We need to take one last break now, but don't go away because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Now, for the past couple of weeks, I've been mentioning the Pet Place documentary we're working on, and I want to remind you again, if you've adopted a pet from a shelter or a rescue, the Pet Place wants to hear from you. We're producing a film about the amazing companions that shelter and rescue pets make. So, while we're at Pet Expo at the Orange County Fairgrounds from April 25th to the 27th, we'll be recording stories from pet adopters in our booth. If you want to go on camera and you aren't shy with your storytelling, then write to us at PetPlaceRadio at gmail.com and we'll get you scheduled. We have time slots available throughout the Pet Expo weekend, but write to us now to ensure you get a time that's convenient for you. We'll take a limited number of walk-ins at the event, but to secure your spot, make sure you send an email to PetPlaceRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's PetPlaceRadio at gmail.com. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on KJAZZ 88.1 FM. I'm Marie Hewlett. Please spare new to your pets and have a wonderful day. Thank you.